0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business and I am very excited about this one because I get to talk to the serial entrepreneur. This is Jenny Barris. She is the co-founder and president of Pink Shark PR. Now, Jenny has had quite a storied entrepreneurial career, I guess you could say, or experiences. It begins when she was in grade six selling magic green rocks that she dug up out of her backyard. We're going to get into that and a whole bunch more, but welcome to the show, Jenny. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Lance, thank you so much for, for having me. I'm so excited to dig into all the things we have in common.
0: <laughs> okay. So before I get into all of that backstory stuff, I like to ask everybody, what are three things that they think that every entrepreneur should know based off of their experiences being an entrepreneur? So hit me with your top three.
1: Okay. So the first is, is that speed is your superpower. So speed is the superpower of the startup what you lack in resources or capital or um, connections at the very, very beginning, you make up for in speed and the ability to pivot quickly. So um, we sure. see this all the time just in the on a business side, but we also see this on a PR side. A, an early stage company can take advantage of more opportunities faster than a company that's recently IPO because there's far less uh, red tape, there's less cooks in the kitchen. Um, and, yeah. and And so speed is everything. So if you want to pivot, if you want to take advantage of something, if you want to move quickly, not only should you, but that is really the secret sauce to getting things moving.
0: Love it. Okay. Number two.
1: Okay. It will take longer than you think, but (laughs) not as long as you fear. (laughs) So Uh. So I feel like entrepreneurs, um, the one thing that we all have in common is that we are quick start individuals. We want to do it. We want to do it now. We want to do it fast. And that is great for getting something off the ground. That is great for the entrepreneurial mind. What it sucks for is building a team and building a company and building a structure and system and organizations. And so what happens is that entrepreneurs hold on to the reins, far too long and far too much because they're afraid it's going to take too long. If they hand it off to somebody else, they're afraid if they invest the time in the bigger pictures and the systems that it's just going to take absolutely forever. And the truth is when you, yeah, it'll take a little longer. You're not going to get it done that afternoon, but that is what sets your startup up for stability and for success. And you really need those systems. And my co-founder who is our CEO, she just, she puts that into my head every day because I I have to take my own advice. I could be totally shiny object, you know, syndrome. So yes, it's going to take longer than you want, but invest in the systems because it won't take as long as you're afraid of.
0: Awesome. Okay. Number three.
1: Okay. Resilience and creativity are everything. So if you, resilience is important because if you do not quit, you will not give up. So that's that's the exciting part. It's like a lottery that you will absolutely win. You just have to keep playing the numbers. You just have to keep playing the tickets. However, along yeah. the way, when we are being resilient, we get really bogged down on all the stuff that we have to do. And I know this firsthand, like I work on the client side of things. I work on the sales side of things. I work everywhere in the company but you have to protect your creativity because that's where the solutions lie. So if you are if you are working yourself to the bone and you are sacrificing your intuition and you are sacrificing your creativity, you aren't going to go as you aren't going to get where you're going. So protect mm. protect your intuition, protect your creativity, everything and it will give you a solution to every problem you're facing.
0: And that is so true and it's one of these things um... You know, a lot of, I think, entrepreneurs, a lot of business people don't think that they're very creative at all, unless they're in a creative industry, right? Because it's like, well, I don't know how to draw. I don't know how to do whatever. I'm not creative. The reality of it is, though, is that we are solution providers and creators, and yeah. that does take a lot of creativity and a different way of processing things and so i'm I'm with you on that one, and I've never really connected those dots personally before hearing you do that, but it is we are all creators, creators of solutions, and it takes creativity to actually show up and do that so I love that that's really Thank impressive. You.
1: Thank you. It, yeah. it And you know, my co-founder is so good at reminding me of that too, because you can get bogged down to the day-to-day, totally. but then you're not yep. pulling back and looking at how do I creatively solve these problems in every aspect of business. The fact that your business even exists was a creative decision. Um, yeah. so it's just really important that you do whatever you can to protect that. But if you invest in like the systems and the th- and the people and the who and 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 those things first, it makes it easier to protect that creativity and that intuition.
0: Yeah, excellent. Okay, so now we're gonna transition into learning a little bit more about your company. And so Pink Shark PR, I love on your website, your line, your your <laughs> tagline right off the top is a woman owned PR agency with bite. That is just such a great visual and just a great message as well. Uh, But tell me, what is it that you guys are doing over there in terms of, you know, what problems are you solving? What's unique about you, Pink Shark PR?
1: Thank you. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. And I was joking around earlier that especially being a women-owned and operated PR firm, especially that focuses on tech startups... You know, we are straddling two very male-dominated fields, PR and yeah. tech. Uh, so that headline exists to make sure that you know you know what you, you know who you're dealing with, and just uh, you should be a little afraid. <laughs> so just just a little bit. Um, but in a, but in a nutshell, we work with funders and founders, uh, tech founders, um, and and we we expand beyond that in early stage and growth stage. I personally have 15 years working with both investors and startup founders, and our area. of 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 uh, specialization is that our DNA is startup first, PR second. So we okay. really okay. understand the unique challenges that a startup has, where a one size fits all PR strategy does not work for an early stage or a growth stage company. A lot of times they are effectual because they're they're too big, they're too bloated, they're too stat, uh, stagnant, um, and so we really exist to serve those early stage companies. And we do that through um, a program that we have called the Startup Press Accelerator, which essentially is, it's like a little Ferrari that we lightened up (laughs) so that it it is uh, for very startup specific, fast and deep PR strategies to help startups get funded, uh, to connect with the right customers, the right investors, the right strategic partners.
0: Yeah. Well, and this is the thing about startups, too, that is so great. I'd imagine for what you do is the the stories that they have, the reason for being their wise can be so incredibly inspiring. And so to be working with them at that stage of their business where you get to kind of craft that with them must be incredibly rewarding.
1: It is so rewarding. And it's really cool to be able to go on kind of the the full, you know, hero's journey with them too, because, you know, I have startups that we've worked with when they were early stage, like before their series a, and we've gotten to work with them, you know, in massive multi-million dollar, you know, series B raises and beyond. And, and so it's, it's really exciting to, to grow with them. And you're right. Um, press is never about the product. And I say this with love, especially to our SaaS yeah. founders out there. Yeah. <laughs> You guys always want to make it the product. The product is not the story. You are the story. And especially at the early stage, your story as a founder, as an entrepreneur, and your values are the most important thing that you could be talking about. Um, The company really is second at that stage.
0: Yeah. Now, when we were talking before we hit the record button a little bit there, um, you were talking about how you have created a startup press machine, essentially. So, can you explain that a little bit more as to what that means and what I guess a startup would expect um, in entering into some sort of engagement with your firm
1: sure so i'll take I'll walk you through a little bit of how we got to where we how we got to where we are. so since sure. the beginning of our firm, we've worked with early stage, but the, the issue with early stage is that they actually need more aggressive of a press strategy than their older, you know, brothers and sisters. But the issue is startups need the funding to pre- startups need the press to get the funding, but then startups need the funding to get the press. And it was just this chicken or egg yeah. scenario. And the most important part, really, when you are starting out with no press, nobody knows who you are facing down what we call the wall of obscurity, The most important investment that you can make is educating reporters, educating media, but over and over and over again, consistency and time is the most important factor. So the accelerator allows us to go wide. We're able to reach thousands of our contacts in a month, but also deep because they're extremely targeted and interested in whatever it is that your startup is doing. Now when a startup comes on founders never want to hear you know that their job is to educate but it is because that's how you get those that's how you build those those relationships and so we we tried a lot of stuff before the accelerator but my main issue was you know, without without the funding in place or without the next round of funding in place, startups were only able to commit to small sprints of time. And it didn't matter how small the retainer, It did none of that really mattered. And so in 2022, my co-founder and I developed the Startup Press Accelerator. And like I said, it is meant for speed. It addresses a startup's need to go fast. It addresses a startup's need to be able to do it for a low cost. And it addresses a startup's need to go both wide and deep with their audience so that they can really put 12 months under their belt, developing their message, getting it out in front of the right contacts, doing this over and over and over again until you've built a beautiful foundation of brand awareness, new strategic partners, and then you can obviously grow from there. Um, But it has been wildly successful so far, startups who are really struggling to get any coverage or by rights are not by you know by their their advisors you know opinion not ready for press you know have sat down with yeah. Forbes Inc Washington Post CBS News TechCrunch uh Fortune you know so it is wildly successful for our startups but it is a little light race car it's like it's like a little light race car with a Ferrari engine
0: <laughs> Yeah yeah love it so what do you find before you start working with some of these companies Uh, What do you find are the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs are making in terms of, you know, what they're trying to do with PR, uh, whether that's working with another firm or trying to hobble something together themselves? What are the big mistakes out there that people should be trying to avoid?
1: So the first is that they do not start it soon enough. And that is not necessarily I'm I'm going to I'm going to not blame the founders. Totally. I'm not going to be incredibly critical on, on this because. For a long time, the idea was that, and this was because about 10 years ago, we had a lot of startups that came up that said they had all this sophisticated technology that they could do this and they could do that. And then we went to the press or they went to the press and then the journalists were like, cool, show us how it works. And then they couldn't, right? Like the technology was not exactly where they said it was. There was a lot of over-promising and under-delivering. We've seen this across the board. Yeah. It's affected the invest. It, is infected- it affected the market. Um, so because of that, everybody kind of went the opposite direction. And so the uh, old adage was build in the dark. Well, no. <laughs> if you build in the dark, you aren't making the friends in high places. You aren't getting in front of the investors. You aren't setting yourself apart with the story. And whether you like it or not, the minute you are out of stealth, the minute that your website is public the minute that somebody knows you exist your brand narrative is being shaped the public's opinion about you is being shaped and you either have two choices you can let that just develop how it is with no with no say and just be taken for a ride by the public and customer reviews and whatever else or you could shape your brand narrative and tell people what they need to know about you and tell people what they need to need to think about you. And, um, startup funders don't understand that they're like, okay, well, we'll get back to you when I'm ready to, when, when we're done fundraising. And for legal reasons, I cannot call myself. My attorney is like, can't call yourself a funding partner. Okay. So legal disclaimer, I'm not a funding partner, but we are a press partner in getting funding. So when you're ready to get funding, by showing up in those publications that your investors are reading, especially for women. Women need this competitive edge. Um, You've got to get out there so they know who they're investing in. And so startup founders start way too late, they're way too timid about it, and they don't understand that PR is not a nice to have. It's not an arbitrary discipline that you could just showboat for a little bit and that's it. It is there to build your brand. It's there to build investor relationships. It is there to, you know, not to sound too aggressive, but smoke your competitors. And a lot of people just, they, they have not wrapped their brain around PR's role yet, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that there's like a lot of people also see it as something that's really unattainable, especially if you don't have a big brand. Right. And so that's where, like you were saying, well, we'll, we'll wait until we've IPO or something, right? Like we wait to this particular stage, um, later on in our, in our, in our scaling up, then we're going to have a story. Then we're going to have something that people are going to want to, want to listen to or watch or whatever. So Um, You know, clearly that isn't the case. They should be doing it right from the start, as you said. Now, in terms of the framing of that, like how do you, you know, as an entrepreneur or what advice would you give to the listeners who are sitting here going, "Okay, well, that sounds sounds great. I should be starting sooner, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what I should be doing. I don't know how I can actually, you know, get a news story in Forbes or TechCrunch or any of the others.
1: Sure. So I have very little patience for the term or the phrasing, I don't know where to start, especially from (laughs) entrepreneurs, because you didn't know where to start when starting your business. In fact, you probably feel like you know less now than you did when you first started. You know, startups have this way of just really humbling you. Um, So the first thing is I would just get rid of that phrase. I don't know where to start. Now, when you're done with that, you want to look at PR is a discipline of relationships and one of the greatest things a startup can do for themselves is to find reporters that are going to champion you along every stage of your journey. So when you connect with a reporter who really likes what you're doing at early stage and you develop a relationship with them, they follow you from early from you know pre-seed to seed to series A to growth whatever that is and then they're championing you and taking you with them wherever their career blows also. So that say you connect with someone who started writing for Forbes, but now they're at TechCrunch or now they're at Fast Company. And so those relationships in the beginning are so, so important. And so what I always tell our founders, find five or six reporters that you have, you know, that are really interested in what you're doing because reporters don't write and don't cover beats that they're not personally interested in yeah. and have, you know, reach out to them, build that relationship. Don't try to like reach out to everyone all at once. Don't try to like, you know, reach to, reach out to a hundred reporters that have no idea who you are or are not going to care, but cherry pick five or six of them that you're dedicated to building a relationship with um, and, and write them a, an email, write them a pitch, write them a story that focuses on, and I always tell, I always tell founders this. If your subject line does not read like a headline, if your pitch does not read like something you would see in the outlet that you're pitching, you've already lost your first reader because that journalist is your first reader of that publication. Um, yeah. and, and so, starting there, start with five or six, you know, and 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 that can make a big difference.
0: So, do you recommend when they're sending out, you know, the the press release that they have a fully written, you know, what could be an article, a fully composed that they could just print or is it something where it's just you know here are the key details and really leave it to the publication to to do the writing um you know, what what's what's the balance there because i know there's a lot of publications that just do not have the same staff levels that they once did and so um are you making it easier for them to publish you or are you actually offending them? I guess would be the question.
1: So it's a, it's, it's, it's a fine line. So there, I will, I will tell you that it depends on the publication and it's both. So for example, your pitch though, should always read, um, like it could just like the beginnings of something that they could jump into and continue writing. You're not going to write a full article in that pitch. So it is going to, but it is going to read like, you know, something engaging, something compelling, telling a story. And then, offering to give them more information, offering to sit down with them. You want them to be able to visualize right off the bat this in their publication. And you also want to show them that it's that it's easy. Now, I also am a firm believer for startups to uh, repurpose and distribute blog content. I think that you are wasting your time if you are doing content marketing, but you are not treating it like a media platform and you are not distributing it. So finding publications that distribute already written content is another strategy that really works. So like I look at blog posts and I'm like, you should be able to get five or six pickups from this. And the cool thing is if you start writing your blogs, like you are writing from your own media platform, the quality increases, you automatically perform better when you know someone's going to read it. And then you have five or six different channels instead of just hoping and praying people are coming to your website, you are leveraging yeah. other other platforms. So there's a couple different strategies for sure. But understanding, you know, the difference between pitching a writer or an editor, pitching someone for an op-ed versus pitching someone for distributing the content versus pitching someone for an interview. But for me, what I like to do is do it do a tease, like write it like it would be like a compelling news story. Really get the hook, really get the pitch, and then offer to continue the conversation in a way that works for them.
0: Excellent. Now, is there a hierarchy of value in terms of the type, uh, like the medium in which the PR is being, you know, delivered? So we're on a podcast right now, which is PR. Um, There's the print, there's, there's television and there's social media and everything else. So um, is there a hierarchy of value that you place in those or do you kind of treat it all the same?
1: So, I use my Lego analogy for this. So have you ever gotten a Lego, like a set of Legos? Like, let's say you're getting like the Lego castle or whatever, and you're really excited about the castle. Now, in my analogy, the castle is Forbes, okay, (laughs) or the New York Times, whatever, but you're going to put your castle together and you are missing one or two tiny pieces your castle is not going to go up. (laughs) You just the the small pieces that you thought did not matter because they're not as shiny or pretty as the castle matter very much in getting the castle up. Your castle is completely useless without that. Every piece of PR, especially if it is targeted, and that's really the key, it has to be targeted. But every piece of PR plays its role, just like every every block in a Lego set plays its role. So a lot of times founders will come to me and they're like, I only want to be in Forbes. And that is such bad strategy. Forbes plays Mm. a certain role, but you're missing out on like six or seven or eight other different strategies that play just as important of a role, but a different role and helps you get some of the larger media coverage. So looking at one outlet or one type of tier of outlet, so like for podcasts, we tell our clients, and you've been generous enough to have several of our clients on the show, um, that podcasts are so important, one, sure, when they're targeted and, and reaching the right demographic, but also... Google is in the middle of a love affair with show notes right now, like for the last nine months, show notes have been like the SEO mistress of Google. So that plays a very important part. And then when you're doing those pieces, those pieces lead to more, you know, targeted strategic partners, more media interests. I mean, I wish I had a dollar for every time we did a podcast for a client or we did a niche publication where the founder was like, I've never heard of it sit down, shut up, let me do my job. This is, you want this to work. So you've got to get out of my way. And then a couple months later, that piece that reached maybe 40,000 of their ideal clients ends up getting picked up by ink and they get like a beautiful ink profile from it. So Yeah. So you have to think about it as Legos. You have to think about as you're like, I always say it's chestnut checkers. So I don't like to think of it in terms of this is better than this. Everything serves a role and every single role is important to getting that structure up.
0: Oh, okay. I I, and I really love the analogy because it is so true about just all the pieces come together. Right. It's it's like a jigsaw puzzle as well, where where you can't get the whole picture unless you have all the pieces in play.
1: Exactly. And that is so much how press works. And it's so, and that's why like when founders say to me, like, well, I just want to do a PR stunt. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Or I want to only work on this for three months. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. It is literally building out, like you said, that that jigsaw puzzle or that Lego box. It's piece after piece that builds on itself that is so, so yeah. important. Um, so yeah. consistency and the time investment is really downplayed in just how important. And what we call, we call that building a press runway because- good press leads to more good press. And it's like you start, when you come to us, you start with like this little pilot light. And then the more that we feed it, the bigger the flame grows until eventually it is just feeding itself. And that's when you get to that point where you can just pick up TechCrunch and say, Hey, I got this coming out on Friday. Can you cover it? And they're like, well, yeah, but you know, And, and then your job becomes so easy and the press becomes so easy because you spent all the time building up that fire. But most people don't, understand that they have to do that. And then they send out a million pitches to a million people who don't know and don't care who they are. And then they're like, PR doesn't work. And you really got me on a topic I'm passionate about, but where else, where else would we say that? Would we write one blog post and say content marketing doesn't work? Would you put out one podcast episode and say podcasting doesn't work? Send one email to your list, but PR gets, that, that, like, we won't do that with the other disciplines in marketing, but with PR, we're like, well, we sent five pitches, too bad, doesn't work. And it just, as you can tell, makes my head want to blow off my shoulders. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, I can see why it would be so infuriating, but I've heard, you know, our clients say the exact same thing when they have engaged a PR firm to do something and it's just a flash in the pan kind of thing where they, they tried it once and it's just like, well, oh, yeah, we didn't really get much from that. And so, so off to the next thing, right? And it's just, it's going at, it in terms of like just marketing in general, in terms of just a series of little tactics, as opposed to a whole strategy, Uh, you have to really think through it and how everything ties together. And and that leads me into the next question that I wanted to ask you too is, okay, so you do get that, that, you know, great article that's posted, or you get the TV spot or a radio spot or a podcast or whatever. Um, Once you have that, how do you leverage that? and really build upon upon it, you know, in the rest of the marketing mix as well.
1: Sure. So, uh, there's a few great things that that we could do yeah. with that, and that I always encourage our our startups to do. So the first is that you have to remember if it's targeted, it is getting organic reach, which you which you want. The second piece to that is that we internally as a team, so a lot of times we'll bring on a startup and we'll tell somebody at Forbes about them, or we'll tell somebody at Fast Company about them, you know. And sometimes reporters want to watch a startup cook a little bit before they write an article or before they, whatever, like there's some, there's some maturation that has to happen before, you know, an early stage sometimes can get into some of those articles. So we use some of that momentum to keep uh, reporters updated with who and what and where about town, you know, you've seen so-and-so and what they're talking about. And a lot of times reporters then, you know, will want to jump into the conversation or it'll be, you know, kind of like, okay, proof of concept, you know, we, we can talk. The other thing that I love is that so the reason that earned media is so powerful is because it's earned. You can pay me a gazillion dollars and I cannot guarantee that you are gonna get into Forbes because it is an earned way, because it's val it's valuable and based on merit. That is why when you do get those pieces, they are worth more than paid advertising. Now, the okay. caveat to that is we have a phrase around here that we call earned advertising. And it is when you take an earned media piece and then you use it as a top of the funnel in your paid advertising. Exactly. Yes. So, yes. So, like, if you take it, like, one of our clients has done this. They got a New York Times article like four years ago. It is still their main lead driver on Facebook. They hmm. use it, it's top of the funnel. We're talking about cents on the dollar for clicks because there's no resistance to reading it because it's not an advertisement, but it has the targeting and the paid reach of an advertisement. So I always yeah. tell our clients to advertise. And then also LinkedIn's very important, but LinkedIn, we could do a whole episode on LinkedIn. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And that's exactly where I was wanting you to go with it because that's the thing that I see again, back to that jigsaw uh, piece of it beyond just the jigsaw of PR, but the jigsaw of marketing and, and really growing your brand and then also generating leads and turning those into customers. The PR is such a critical piece of that puzzle that can play a a different role depending on where the person is within their buyer's journey. And so you can repurpose that content and just really exponentially lift your credibility and uh, down in the lower parts of the funnel by, you know, showing this to the leads that are in the top of your funnel, but you can also use it as a top of the funnel activity too. And so it is just remarkable how valuable that can be. But you got to start, you got to get going, you got to do it right in order to have that piece in order to leverage it elsewhere.
1: It's true. And it's important for every industry, but especially there are certain industries that there's no I mean, I don't think there's an excuse not to do it across the board, but like if you're in cyber or you're in FinTech, or you're in blockchain, and we're talking about payments, and we're talking about dismantling or upgrading legacy institutions that deal with people's money or data security, and all you're relying on are Google ads, one, you're not standing out because all your competitors are just relying on Google ads too. And two, you are supposed to be in the most trustworthy position for me to, tr- to give you access to my banking, to my data, to you know making sure that my, my company's data is secure. And I can't find an article about you. I can't tell you apart from you know Tom Dick or Harry, that is a big problem so like my cyber clients who really take advantage of like pr for and cyber is a great example and so is fintech this the fintech and cyber companies that really take advantage of pr they smoke their competition because most of them aren't doing it and they're not doing it in the way that they should and if you're a if you're a leader or a ceo and you're looking for a new cyber company to you know to manage data security And you see somebody who's talking about data security in Forbes or somebody who is talking about, you know, what we need to be aware of as like one of the popular things is how do big, larger organizations protect against cyber attacks. And I see your article and your thought leadership in Forbes. I'm absolutely going to I'm not going to think twice. I'm already sold just tell me the details um and that is what keeps you you know out of that kind of muck of like everyone competing for google ads everybody like whatever um so it's so so important especially if you're in an industry that really requires on requires trust because that is really pr's primary job is to build trust between your company and your, pu- and your public and your ideal buyers. And so those industries, especially no excuse from day one, yeah. you've got to start.
0: Now, I know that we're running out of time here, but I want to squeeze in one last question because I think it's really topical right now. And I'd love to hear your, your insights on it. And that is with the, um, you know, AI and, and chat AI's uh, really, being the talk of everybody's conversations now, when it's when we're talking about uh, marketing, we're talking about content creation, we're talking about this onslaught of 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 content, and then you have Bing Chat where they're integrating now that into the search results, and you know Google's going to be doing the exact same thing now instead of SEO you know where we were working to get on the, the on the first page of a of the list of of search results for something now those AI bots are going to be basically delivering one result and sure. so how do you become that one result it's really difficult um you can obviously get a lot of PR um or sort of a lot of SEO juice from really good PR articles and placement and so on. But I I don't want to go to there in my question. Where I'd like to go is the importance of PR, in your opinion, um, is it going to be larger or lesser in this world in which content marketing is going to be so overwhelmingly large now because people can have the bots just writing the blog posts and so on. So in the sea of content, I'm guessing PR is going to be even that much more exponentially important than what it is already. But I'd like to hear your take.
1: Credibility trumps trends and trumps technology developments. So Mm. a bot is fantastic. And I love ChatGPT. Like I work with ChatGPT, like as like a brainstorming partner, you know, all the time. But ChatGPT isn't going to be able to tell a very human story that the New York Times picks up. That Forbes picks up, that fast company picks up. And so PR, what is so cool about PR is that it doesn't really matter what the tools are doing because those are still tools. Technology is still providing us with tools. it's It rises above that still. That's what those are those are just avenues. To getting our story out so what's going to happen is the value of those new york times articles those fast company articles those deep dives into you and your company profile they are going to be worth that much more because they're not just going to be regurgitated bot content um they're not going to be one-dimensional and they are against they are multi-dimensional because they are stamped by third-party elite credibility that no bot is going to ever be able to get you that is a very pr is is and will remain a very human to human discipline that requires relationships, that requires merit, that requires you to be who you say you are, that requires, um, you know, it is an elite discipline that tools will not replace, you know, we can use the tools to enhance our work and our productivity and our effectiveness, but it will never ever replace how the, that how PR rises above all of that and will still be the, the creme de la creme.
0: Well in and just to build on that I really truly believe that um the bots are actually going to be creating you know so much volume of content which we already have you know sure. like like it's it's I can't remember how many hours of youtube videos get uploaded to youtube every minute right um it's just there's so much volume we're going to see just this inundation of 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 content marketing because the bots are enabling people to just push this stuff out. And most of it's going to be kind of crap. And so what's going to end up happening, I think, is that we're going to see a resurgence in the importance of press because they are going to be the, the arbiters of, of and, and the possessors of good content that um, you know, the rest of the mess that's going to be out there it's just going to be stuff that people get so tired and sick of. They don't want to, you know, sort through it themselves. And so you're going to be leaning I think a lot more on press for those kinds of news oriented topical, um, you know, writings, I think, and, and, and press is going to be more important. I really truly believe that. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out, but I think it's a building upon now.
1: Yeah. And the truth is, it's going to be kind of just more of what we're doing now. Think about it. Like, there's a ton of content now. And when you yeah. run across garbage content, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it exists. You just scroll until you find something in Buzzfeed or until you find something in Forbes, you find something. So it's just gonna be more of that. Like nobody looks at garbage content to begin with. So it's kind of a waste of time to like double down on generic garbage content because great, there's more of it. So we'll just continue to ignore it because that's what we do anyway. When we're Googling something, when we're looking, we scroll until we find the really good, uh, credible stuff. But that's why I say yeah. PR and then treating your own content, like your own blog platform, like as a media platform is so important because the cre- the cream always rises and quality is more important and that, 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 human, that human storytelling is more important than ever. Um, and if you just focus on that, it will not matter how the tools are developing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the power of story for sure. Well, I just really appreciate you sharing all of your expertise in the realm of PR. I wanted to talk to you about your entrepreneurial journey as well. And we didn't even get there. And I know you have to run to another meeting. And so I want to be respectful of that. So we're going to have to invite you back so we can finish that story, because I think people are going to be wondering what the heck is going on with these green rocks that you were selling as a sixth grader? Because that's a really good story. But anyway, if somebody wanted to connect with you because they are a startup or they're under, underrepresented uh, founder and they want to explore the power of PR, how do they do that? How's the best way to get in touch with you, I guess?
1: So there's a few ways. um, And and by the way, I would love to come back and talk about Magic Rocks. That conversation will get a little wild. So thank you. Um, There's a couple ways. You can email me directly, Jenny at pinksharkpr.com. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. So come and connect with me, Jenny Barris on LinkedIn. Um, And then you can also follow our portfolio on Instagram, PinkSharkPR.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time today, Jenny, to share everything with us. And for those of you who really enjoyed this, you can check out our archives over at amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find some entrepreneurial stories, but also we interview some experts just like Jenny about different topics that are going to help you grow your business. And so check out that archive and continue listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Just search amplify your business to find us there. We are pretty much everywhere. So just search and you're going to find some really interesting stories. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. And thank you again. I really appreciate your time, Jenny. Thanks,
1: Lance. This was a lot of fun.